engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Good evening. It is nine after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. The Iran deal is no more. Let, let me just lay out to you what the Iran deal was, why I think it was a bad idea, and why I think the president uh, did a good thing in getting rid of it. Um, the Iran deal was passed, or well, I shouldn't say passed, it was authorized by Barack Obama. He did not, and this is a, an important point that people are ignoring this afternoon, Barack Obama did not get congressional approval for the Iran deal. He did not go through the Senate for confirmation as a treaty. As a result, he did it as an executive document that his successor in office, Donald Trump, could walk away from without congressional approval. Is there going to be any part of Barack Obama's legacy left when Donald Trump is through with it? I mean, no, Obamacare is there. Yes, it's been changed to some degree and may now be thrown out. People aren't paying attention to a lawsuit against Obamacare. You know, John um, John Roberts on the Supreme Court said it was constitutional because it was a tax due to the individual mandate. Uh, Congress has now gotten rid of the individual mandate. So many of the same states that sued originally have gone back to court and said, hey, uh, they've gotten rid of the individual mandate now. That was the whole reason it was found constitutional. So isn't it unconstitutional now? And they're actually, they've got a favorable judge in Texas looking at this. People aren't paying attention to that. But will there be any part of his legacy that, that stands the test of time. The Iran deal is no more. Now, what the Iran deal did was it allowed the repatriation of money into Iran by foreign governments, the end of U.S. sanctions on Iran, and a Iran's agreement to suspend development of a nuclear weapons program and allow inspectors into the country. That sounds like a good deal, except for the loopholes. For example, Iran did not have to use its repatriated cash or the money from oil sales to improve its economy or infrastructure. They could use it for whatever they wanted. Second, Iran was not, uh, did not have to agree to suspend its ballistic missile production. Iran is continuing the development of ballistic missiles. Uh, their range is now fairly intercontinental. They can't yet make it to the United States, but they can hit tar targets uh, in southern Europe now and Africa with their intercontinental or with their ballistic missile program that they didn't have to give up. Uh, third, Iran could continue its uranium enrichment subject to inspections to ensure they weren't making nuclear weapons. But then fourth, this is important here, Iran had to be given notice of inspections. Now, if this sounds very familiar to you, this is largely the scheme Bill Clinton came up with for North Korea, which under its program was still able to develop nuclear weapons. I mean, the, the nuclear weapons program was certainly slowed down in North Korea, but they continued and they were able to hide the program. We know from Israel that Iran has had an ongoing nuclear weapons production program since the late 90s. And they've done a very good job of covering it up. And now the deal is no more and sanctions have come back. And there's a key point you need to pay attention to on this. You know, I said that Iran was able to develop its nuclear weapons program. And now we're getting rid of the, this deal. Well, Iran had to cease development of its nuclear weapons program 
with the increased sanctions put on it by the Bush administration. They didn't have the money to develop their nuclear weapons program anymore. They, they wound it down. That's also what the Israeli documents show. And remember, one of the conditions uh, on the deal was that no one could direct Iran on how to spend its repatriated cash under the Obama deal. So Iran has been able to repurpose that money. Money, again, is fungible, but yet Iran, and not being very smart, poured all that money into war. They didn't pour it into the economy. Did you know, by the way, there are riots going on and a strike in uh, Iran right now? Uh, did you have any idea, because it's not being reported in the media, um, there is a water crisis in Iran, there is a sugar shortage in Iran. A sugar shortage is actually what brought down uh, one of the oldest uh, Persian dynasties. Uh, the Pal- the Reza Pahlavi's father was a or grandfather, I guess, was able to overthrow one of the last major Persian dynasties due to a sugar shortage in the late 1800s. And there is a sugar shortage underway right now in Iran. Say that fast multiple times. Sugar shortage. Um, And so we've got to be able to cripple the Iranian economy. Now, here's one of the things that we know about the Iranian deal that, that, again, isn't getting a lot of media coverage. Most of the media coverage has been critical of President Trump, not really because he's getting out of the Iran deal, but because Barack Obama's legacy is being undone. And most of the major pro-Iran deal pundits out there are much more interested in Barack Obama's legacy than they are whether or not the deal was good. Uh, In fact, a number of Democrats, remember, Barack Obama could not get Democrats in Congress to support his deal. He had to do it as just an executive agreement because Democrats in Congress wouldn't go along with this deal. And that is completely outside the media narrative. They don't want to focus on it. But one of the reasons Barack Obama couldn't get the Democrats to go along with it is because the Iranians are so untrustworthy. Look at what they're doing with the money right now that's not getting a lot of attention. The Iran deal has destabilized, significantly destabilized the Middle East. Because Iran has been able to use its repatriated cash that had been frozen in American bank accounts to fund Hezbollah, to fund the Iranian Guard, to fund Yemeni terrorists who are now at war with Saudi Arabia. See, Barack Obama decided to treat the Iranian regime not as terrorist thugs, but as a legitimate nation state welcome to a seat at the table because he wanted to counterbalance Israel and Saudi Arabia. The Obama administration has a, had a deep, unabiding hostility towards Israel. In fact, many of the Obama uh, administration officials who are most critical of President Trump withdrawing from the deal are attacking Israel. They're not attacking President Trump. They are deeply anti-Semitic people who hate Israel. They, they don't like Netanyahu, and that's their cover, but the fact is they don't like Israel. And by the way, I would say we shouldn't be listening to the European Union on whether or not we should stay into this deal, given how much anti-Semitism has infested itself within the bureaucracy of foreign affairs within the EU. What has happened is that Israel and Saudi Arabia and Jordan have had to become very close together to combat the rising uh, Iranian menace. By Barack Obama flooding Iran with cash that it has used for weapons of war not to improve its economy, it's a growing regional superpower. And Israel, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, Jordan, they've all had to get together to oppose Iran in ways they never had to in the past. 
And in fact, what we're seeing is a nuclear proliferation crisis as the UAE and Saudi Arabia and other Arab states decide they're probably going to need nukes to combat uh, Iran. The Iranian deal destabilized the Middle East. The situation in Yemen is part of that. The situation in Syria is part of that. Remember, Barack Obama telegraphed with national media Israel's pending attacks on Iranian positions in Syria. Don't forget that. The media doesn't like to report it. But when Barack Obama was negotiating this deal and Israel was trying to strike Iranian Republican Guard targets in Syria, the administration leaked it to the press to show Iran that they were in good faith negotiating. Now, the reason Syria has remained as it has remained is because Barack Obama's deal with Iran tied our hands in what we can do against Iran, and that includes Iranian positions in Syria, where they've been able to reinforce them with the cash we gave them. It's completely destabilizing. These people who are defending the Iranian deal are saying, look, look, Europe supports this deal. What they are hoping you will ignore is that there is not a single nation in the Middle East that supports the Iran deal. Jordan, Bahrain, the United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, uh, Jordan, uh, Egypt, Israel, all of them are opposed to the Iran deal and they're all breathing a sigh of relief that the balance of power is being restored now in the Middle East today. Let me have a brief timeout for this week's sponsor, and that would be Quip, uh, which is a fantastic toothbrush. I love my Quip toothbrush. I have been using it for a while. Uh, the truth is most of us are probably brushing our teeth wrong anyway, not long enough. We forget to change our brush. Uh, I know for the longest time I went without changing my brush, and I didn't realize it actually sharpens. When you brush your teeth, it actually sharpens the bristles, and in the process of sharpening the bristles, you can do gum damage. You can wear off the enamel in your teeth, so you want to actually change your brush heads, and Quip does that. It's an electric toothbrush that's a fraction of the cost of the bulkier brushes. You can barely fit in the back of your mouth, and it packs just the right amount of vibration to help clean your teeth. It's got a built-in timer that helps you clean for the dentist recommended two minutes while guiding pulses that remind you when to switch sides. I really like it and it has a great subscription plan. They deliver new brush heads on a dentist recommended schedule every three months for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. I actually just got new brush heads last week, I think, uh, for my toothbrush. Uh, so Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. So you get your first refill pack free by going to getquip.com slash Eric. That's G-E-T-Q-I, am I doing this right? G-E-T-Q-U-I-P. Let's try that again, shall we? G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Eric. G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash E-R-I-C-K. That's getquip.com. Folks, listen, I have been using this toothbrush now for a while. I did just get my brush heads. It is great. And really the coolest thing, they don't really sell this themselves. And I'm just, I'm telling you, you don't have to travel with a recharger. Every electric toothbrush I've ever had, you had to travel with the recharger or it was really bulky because of the batteries. This one, they have streamlined it. It's one AAA battery. It has lasted me three months and still has charge in it. Uh, but yet when they sent me the new brush head, they sent a new battery with it too. So a great, great product. Highly recommend it. Getquip.com slash Eric. It's 27 after the hour. Eric Erickson here.
Y'all, there's a strike happening right now in Syria. It appears to be the Israelis blowing up Iranian positions. Um, pretty striking to me, actually, that Israel did this. It, it almost looks coordinated, waiting for the president to withdraw from the deal, and then striking Israeli or Iranian positions. And that's kind of a key thing here. Is see, with Obama's deal, the Iranians were able to remilitarize and move the Iranian guard into Syria to help the Syrian regime. The reason the Syrian regime has been able to hold on as long as it has has not as much to do with the Russians as it does the Iranians funding Hezbollah and the Ir- Iranian guard inside Syria. The Israelis are blowing up Iranian guard positions within Syria. Now, there was a rumor afoot within the Pentagon uh, earlier this this afternoon after the president withdrew that the Iranians were preparing a strike on Israel in the Golan Heights region. So this could very well be a pre- uh, preemptive a strike from Israel against Iran. But uh, why are they striking Syria? Again, because... The Iranian positions have been fortified in Syria. Now, a buddy of mine who's been over there says Israel was planning on doing it last week, but held off. Another good reason to get out of the deal. It is 539. I'm Eric Erickson. We are out of the Iran deal the Middle East a little bit safer today as a result. Um, although, you know, what's going to happen now is, is there have been so many vested interests in keeping these guys, uh, keeping the, the deal and keeping the Obama guys who have been touting the deal is, is making them appear to be honest brokers. And they're not. They're all about defending the Obama legacy, and they don't care about the facts on the ground. So what's going to happen is if there's violence in the Middle East, there was violence in the Middle East yesterday. There's a war going on in Syria. There's a war going on in Yemen. Tomorrow, any violence is going to be Donald Trump's fault. They're going to blame him immediately. They're going to say it has everything to do with the Iran deal, and it's simply not true. But that's what the media is going to do. It is yet again an example of media bias. Democratic opposition groups have worked to get supposed experts on TV repeatedly to talk up the Iran deal. You've got John Kerry going around the world trying to undermine the president on the Iran deal. Listen to John Kerry. Our friends are safer if we stay in this agreement. We made an agreement. Iran is living by the agreement. Yes, we have concerns on the missiles, on Yemen, other things, but we should be working on those. The Obama administration made a clear decision that working on those other issues and making progress on them is easier with an Iran that doesn't have a nuclear weapon than an Iran which is moving towards one. Except we have no way of knowing right now whether or not Iran is is or isn't moving towards a nuclear weapon at this very moment. Why? Because the Iran deal, weapons inspectors had to announce to Iran where they wanted to go and give Iran time to clear the place out before they could get there. I mean, here's the president making his announcement earlier today. Well, maybe, perhaps, hang on a second, we're having suddenly technical difficulties here. Let's see if I can get the president on this issue. And he doesn't want to seem to come across now. I have no idea what's going on with the audio on the president. Nonetheless, the president earlier uh, making the point that all of these safeguards in the Iran deal 
Uh, they're not actually real safeguards. All of the safeguards from the president on the Iran deal, they're, they're empty promises from Iran. They're, they're unenforceable promises. Absolutely unenforceable. There's no way to know. They've kept everything quiet. Um, we just, we can't operate with Iran on bad faith. Even the Obama people are willing to call them liars. And that's really, I, I think, one of the most damning things to come out of all of this is even the Obama administration people who support the Iran deal are willing to say that the Iran, the Iranian regime are a bunch of liars. If they're a bunch of liars, how can we know that they're telling the truth on the deal? Because of inspections? When we have to tell them in advance where the inspectors are going and give them a few days before the inspectors come in? I mean, that is really how North Korea got nuclear weapons, folks. It's a bad deal. We needed to be rid of it. Uh, and that's a good thing. Now, if I can get some audio here, I want to move on to Eric Schneiderman, the Attorney General of New York, who has resigned after a Ronan Farrow uh, expose in The New Yorker about him. Here's Ronan Farrow. In case a woman was bleeding from the ear in a persistent way afterwards. But the point I want to make is that in those conversations after the fact, a lot of their friends and loved ones said, don't do it. Don't speak out against him. And in some cases, that was because they feared the risk of reprisals. You know, they described uh, him threatening people, uh, using his office and his power to say, you know, he could wiretap people or he could come after people. But also in some cases, Allison, those friends warned them off of talking because they thought that he had the power to do too much good for the Democratic Party. I mean, that that's a story in itself of the sacrifices that people think they make for the cause, the personal um, sacrifices. Yes. You see, th this is this is the most bizarre, crazy thing in the situation. So Eric Steinerman was apparently beating women, according to the accusations. He denies them, but he resigned, uh, treating them abusively and. Some of these women were told, don't come forward because he, he does so much good. He's fighting the president. We hear this with people in power over and over, and it's one way they get away with things. It's how Bill Clinton got away with so much. Remember the women who came forward in the 90s and said they didn't care what he was doing with an intern in the, in the Oval Office. They didn't care if he was abusing his power with a girl, with a teenager, with a young adult, because he was doing good for the cause. That's when you get real intellectual problems. It's one of my concerns about the Republican Party today, turning a blind eye to things they wouldn't have turned a blind eye towards Clinton and Obama, is when it becomes so much about the cause, uh, you risk damaging, well, you risk damaging real people who are victims. You risk damaging your intellectual moral foundations for your arguments. I mean, this guy, Schneiderman, those, I realize you don't know him, but, but he made a big deal about fighting the president. He made a big deal about suing the president over every policy. In fact, I guarantee you, if he hadn't resigned yesterday, Eric Schneiderman would be in court today trying to find a liberal judge to halt the president's withdrawal from the Iran deal, claiming it was bad for New York. And the left loved it. Here's, here's, a, here's an honest moment for you. Just a candid, I guess I should say candid moment. Both sides have monsters. They do. All political parties do. All major groups do. Hollywood does. 
sports teams. They do uh, celebrities, singers, musicians. They harbor monsters, bad men, and it is mostly men, but it's not all men who do terrible things to people, who treat people awfully, but have a public persona as being some sort of great person. You see this all the time in Hollywood. You see this in politics. Look at Eric Greitens, the governor of Missouri, who is a terrible person, who is going to be impeached for multiple crimes, who denies those crimes. And you know what you see when you you see these people harboring monsters? You see the enablers. The people who are willing to to come up with an intellectual excuse to try to hide the fact, to cover for the fact, or to blind themselves to the fact that they're covering for a monster. Everybody has this. I'm glad it's happened to a Democrat this time because the media has done a really good job in the last several years now of making everything out to be Republican abusers, Republican accusers, Republican monsters. And the fact is it happens everywhere. No side is immune to it. And it's people in powerful positions who have a bunch of enablers who believe that they will harm the cause if the monster is forced to go away. We need more people repelling monsters. It is 55 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. We'll get into state and local politics when we come back. Big news on the... In the governor's race, there's some new ads out as well. And I'll just, yeah, I'll give you my, I know a lot of you are questioning, I mean, where to, where to go and who to support. And I'll just kind of tell you my thinking, which is as undecided as many of you, but at least might help you shape your thinking a little more. Y'all, I, I, if this, the attorney general thing in New York, I wish Eric Greitens, the Missouri governor would go on and resign. He's going to be impeached. Uh, Josh Howley, who is running for the Senate out there, really a good conservative guy. He was the guy who uh, took the um, um, Hobby Lobby case to the Supreme Court and defended them against the Obama administration's uh, abortion mandate. He is now the attorney general of Missouri. He's running for the Senate. Got a very good chance of beating Claire McCaskill, and he is calling for Greitens to resign as he should. Um, Greitens just proving himself to be just a, a terrible person. And, you know, he ran contemptuously when he was running for governor. Dana Lash is a friend of mine, and she was calling him out for not being what he claimed to be in that governor's race and uh, just had all sorts of people on the Internet come after her, just abusively awful things against her for pointing out he wasn't the man he claimed to be. And, well, now she's been proven right on this issue. Uh, and it looks like he's going to be impeached. Ugh. At least we have good people running for governor here. Hello and welcome back. It's Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB, the nation's most listened to news talk station. The second hour, we will move on from the Iran deal to state politics in the final couple of weeks of the campaign season here. We've now got the gubernatorial primary heating up. Lots of endorsements, lots of news, uh, lots of opposition, lots of hits, you name it. And some good ads coming out, including a great one from Clay Tippins. Uh, that I wish he had been pushing for longer. But uh, let's get to the, the first, the big news. That is Ted Cruz, the senator from Texas, has decided to weigh in on the Georgia governor's race. Uh, kind of a timely endorsement. Georgia Kerry has come out uh, and said absolutely not on Hunter Hill. They made more of a deal on don't support Hunter Hill than on supporting Brian Kemp. 
Um, I, I listen. I'm a member of Georgia Carry. At least I was. I may need to up my membership. Um, there are two gun groups in in Georgia. They're the sane one. Uh, I think very highly of them. I disagree with them on the Hunter Hill stuff. Um, I think that uh, Hunter Hill was playing cards he had to play to keep a swing seat in the state of Georgia uh, that Hillary Clinton won, but he was able to hold it, and that he is more himself actually a Second Amendment supporter than Georgia Kerry would have you believe. Uh, and I get their opposition to him. Hunter Hill never picked up the ball, never fought on their issues in the, in the state Senate. He, he voted them. Uh, he voted for all the, the gun, con- or not gun, gun expansion, campus carry and whatnot. He supported all those, but he didn't fight for them. And I get his position um, being in a, a the swingiest of all swing districts in the state. Uh, there were some issues that would incite Democrats against him. And if he had been the the guy carrying the water on those issues, then he probably would have gotten blown up. Uh, so I get George Gary's opposition. I, I disagree with them, though, on this. Nonetheless, they are supporting uh, Brian Kemp, who is a strong Second Amendment advocate. Uh, you, you've seen his ad. I think that ad probably can get him into the runoff with Casey Cagle. Uh, no question at all on uh, Brian Kemp supporting the Second Amendment. Uh, but Ted Cruz has come out today and endorsed Hunter Hill saying in a statement that Hunter is the conservative uh, that we can support in Georgia, and he is, in fairness, the guy that conservatives in the state House and state Senate have rallied to. Here's the Cruz quote. Successful self-government requires active participation from each one of us. That is true not only for those who run for office, but of each of us who casts a vote. I'm asking voters to carefully consider the choices before them this election cycle and to stand with those who have proven themselves to be conservatives of conviction. In the race for governor in Georgia, I'm proud to endorse Hunter Hill, and I urge the voters of Georgia to join me by supporting him. So George Carey out for Brian Kemp. Uh, Ted Cruz out for Hunter Hill. Uh, They're neck and neck in the runoff um, for the runoff for second place against Casey Cagle, who's in first place. We'll see uh, whether or not either of these endorsements uh, help or hurt. Um, I'm interested to see where things go in the runoff. Um, And we're going to have a a real fight in the runoff. I, I I think particularly if it's, if it's Casey and Brian, I think because they're statewide office holders and they have the, the, the most exposed records, I suspect we're going to have a a nastier race if it's those two than if it's someone else in there. But nonetheless, uh, it'll be a, it'll be a slug fest one way or the other. Now, we got other Georgia political news, including some ads I want you to listen to, and Stacey Evans coming out for a big controversial issue trying to separate herself from Stacey Abrams. Now, you know, I don't I don't feel like I need to play David Schaefer's ad for you because it runs enough here on WSB. It's a great ad. I've had friends of mine who listen to the show out of state uh, have wound up, they've heard David Schaefer's ad on adoption, and I know at least one of them has donated his campaign uh, really felt compelled. It was a very positive message about David Schaefer uh, being adopted, his support for adopted families, his support for the adoption reform in Georgia, his support for people of faith. Um, good guy. Uh, I'm supporting him. Uh, but I keep hearing from people who are supporting Jeff Duncan, who I, I don't know, uh, but he seems like a great guy the more I look into him. Solidly conservative guy, former baseball player. He's got a new ad out. He is in his baseball uniform, pitching from the mound, and, and ties that in. That is part of his narrative. So we might as well run with it. When they hand you the ball, there's only one thing to do. Go hard. Everything you've got. I'm Jeff Duncan, 
I spent six seasons grinding it out in the minor leagues, then went into business and started two great companies. Now I'm ready to play hardball as Lieutenant Governor. Ethics reform to clean up the state capital, school choice, and smarter planning on transportation. I work hard and never apologize for being too conservative. I'm Jeff Duncan, and that's my pitch. He's saving it for the end. A very, very tight cluster there for Lieutenant Governor. Um, Rick Jeffers, I'm not. A, I'm just not a fan of his. Uh, I'm not. Um, and David Schaefer, Jeff Duncan, who's getting a lot of favorable buzz here at the end from people. Uh, a lot of conservatives uh, for Duncan. Conservatives kind of split really between Schaefer and Duncan. Uh, David Schaefer's been the guy who has been in every conservative fight. Gosh, going back to my college Republican days, he was the executive director of the, of the Republican Party. And he, he's been a reliable vote for conservatives. And Jeff Duncan has too. And Duncan, I, I think, has expressed some qualms with the way the Senate has operated. And basically say, and I either want to be lieutenant governor and, and fix the ethical issues that I see on a daily basis in the Senate, or I'm just going to go home. And so he's, he's running, making a clean up the Senate pitch, which is an interesting way to go about it. Um, it but then there is also one more ad I got to play. You've just got to bear with me on this one because I like this ad and wish this ad had been run um, much longer than it is. Uh, Clay Tippins has essentially his closing argument for the race. His ad has a title called It Matters. Starts off uh, with a picture of a seal. I always wanted to be a Navy SEAL. It matters. Yeah, I bet you thought I was thinking zoo animal. No, this is a, a, a image of a seal coming up out of water in the fog. And I took that same unconventional problem solving and whatever it takes attitude and built businesses around the world. Now it's time we bring that same skill set to Georgia's self-serving politicians to clean up corruption, transform and shrink government, cut taxes, crush sex trafficking, and get our kids reading. I can do that. Stand with me. It matters. That's a really good ad. And I wish he had done more of that. I, I, I you know, I told him when the, the Kegel ad, uh, the hitting Kegel, Casey Kegel and Hunter Hill ad came out, that I, I really, I it just a gut level response as a former political consultant, I think he needed to spend more time defining himself rather than attacking the other guys. And I think it was a strategic mistake that the polling suggests is going to cost him. Uh, he's got a compelling biography. He's got a compelling life story. Uh, he's got compelling ideas to fix the state. And I think he needed to stand on that instead of going after the other guys, uh, trying to drag them down. Because when you run a negative ad, your negative, your negative rating goes up as well. Um, everyone gets hurt. Your, the goal is to make it so pointed that the other guy's negative, negative rating goes up higher than yours. And I, 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 I wish he had done more of this. This is a really, really good ad. Unconventional problem solving, whatever it takes attitude. Um, it built businesses, wants to crush sex trafficking in the state. Uh, more of this. Um, and I think this, if, had this message been amplified further, longer, would have done him better. Uh, but I wanted to be sure to play that one because I definitely think that's a sharp ad. Uh, well done here at the end. Let me have a brief timeout for this week's sponsor, and that would be Quip, uh, which is a fantastic toothbrush. I love my Quip toothbrush. I have been using it for a while. 
the truth is most of us are probably brushing our teeth wrong anyway, not long enough. We forget to change our brush. Uh, I know for the longest time I went without changing my brush, and I didn't realize it actually sharpens. When you brush your teeth, it actually sharpens the bristles, and in the process of sharpening the bristles, you can do gum damage. You can wear off the enameling teeth, so you want to actually change your brush heads, and Quip does that. It's an electric toothbrush that's a fraction of the cost of the bulkier brushes you can barely fit in the back of your mouth, and it packs just the right amount of vibration to help clean your teeth. It's got a built-in timer that helps you clean for the dentist-recommended two minutes while guiding pulses that remind you when to switch sides. I really like it, and it has a great subscription plan. They deliver new brush heads on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. I actually just got new brush heads last week, I think, uh, for my toothbrush. Uh, so Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. So you get your first refill pack free by going to getquip.com slash Eric. That's G-E-T-Q-I, am I doing this right? G-E-T-Q-U-I-P. Let's try that again, shall we? G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Eric. G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash E-R-I-C-K. That's getquip.com. Folks, listen, I have been using this toothbrush now for a while. I did just get my brush heads. It is great. And really the coolest thing, they don't really sell this themselves. And I'm just, I'm telling you, you don't have to travel with a recharger. Every electric toothbrush I've ever had, you had to travel with the recharger or it was really bulky because of the batteries. This one, they have streamlined it. It's one AAA battery. It has lasted me three months and still has charge in it. Uh, but yet when they sent me the new brush, they sent a new battery with it too. So a great, great product. Highly recommend it. Getquip.com slash Eric. Stacey Evans is trying to segment herself better against Stacey Abrams. She has come out, Evans has, in favor of casino gambling in Georgia to fund the Hope Scholarship. Y'all, I mean, I, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but I am on record opposing casino gambling in Georgia and do think it is very interesting to note, and maybe she hasn't actually studied it, but in uh, Baltimore, in Illinois, in New Orleans, in, I want to say, part of Massachusetts, in uh, New York, where casino gambling was legalized to help subsidize uh, education scholarships in the state, it hasn't actually worked. Illinois, one of the best examples of this, they allowed casino gambling in the state to fund their equivalent of the Hope Scholarship and never got the revenue needed. Um, I don't, I agree with, this is one of the, probably the only thing I agree with Kasim Reed on is that people support casinos when all else has failed. And we are not a failed city in Atlanta. We are not a failed state in Georgia. So why bring in casinos? Um, as as to quote Kasim Reed, who was quoting I, someone else, I do believe, maybe it was Zell Miller, uh, <laughs> Las Vegas is in the desert for a reason and probably should stay that way. I, I just think this is a, I, I think this is a bad idea from Stacey Evans. All the Republican candidates have come out opposed to it. Stacey Abrams uh, doesn't seem to be a fan of it either. This is a way for Evans to distinguish herself, and she does have to distinguish herself. That, that's, a, that's fair. She's got to distinguish herself in a race where Evans is ahead and, and has a massive amount of support nationwide, uh, even though Evans probably has more grassroots, political grassroots support in Georgia. 
Um, she is behind Stacey Abrams, and casino gambling might be a way to uh, galvanize some people for her, but I, I think public policy-wise, it's a bad idea. And I mean, just to review very quickly for you why I oppose it, I'm not opposed to gambling. Um, I, I, I'm totally okay. If you want to go to Vegas, I'll go with you. Uh, if you buy my ticket, we can go have fun in Vegas. Uh, but gambling tends to, in other places, uh, see increases in drugs, increases in bankruptcies, increases in small business closures, increases in foreclosures, increases in spousal abuse, increases in prostitution, increases in drug trafficking, increases in all sorts of bad things. Um, but in Atlanta in particular, the way they've wanted to construct a casino it would destroy places like the Fox Theater because of the venue component and the subsidized entertainment costs at casinos. It would wipe out uh, local venues existing, the Chastain would be hurt, the Fox would be hurt, uh, the Verizon Amphitheater, everything, you name it, it, all these places would be impacted, and lots of small businesses would. And you don't have to believe me, there have been numerous studies from numerous groups around the world, and they're all very consistent in what happened. So I think this would be a very bad idea and hope she would reconsider it. But I understand the need when you're behind and need to make a name for yourself. Uh, this is one of those areas that separates you from the candidate. Now, when we come back, more on Georgia politics and the state of play in the governor's race, where things are headed and what might be done. It's 39 after the hour. Eric Erickson here, the phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I want to spend a few moments just on, on a an overview of the Republican gubernatorial primary. And first I should say, uh, I don't see any tracking and, and haven't really paid close attention to polling in the Secretary of State's race and the Lieutenant Governor's race. But my understanding from talking to those who have is that the Lieutenant Governor's race uh, seems to be a, a very close race. Um, David Schaefer and Jeff Duncan seem to be clustered together potentially for a runoff. Um, but there are, again, it's a very high number of undecideds in that race. The other is the Secretary of State's race. The last polling I saw is that Josh McCoon was ahead, uh, probably also a runoff there as well. That may have changed. Uh, he's a good guy. Uh, I, I've been supporting Buzz Brockway, who's a good friend of mine. Uh, I've known Buzz for a very long time. I think he'd be a great Secretary of State, but I think Josh would be a great Secretary of State as well. And if Buzz weren't in the race, I'd be supporting Josh. Uh, I don't, I, I, I mentioned David Isle. I believe is running for Secretary of State. He is, uh, the mayor of Alpharetta. I've met him once. He's like a very nice guy, very well thought of up in Alpharetta. Um, I don't, I, I just, I don't know. This is one of those seats. I don't know that we can go wrong with the candidate for Secretary of State. And I know some of you are hoping that I would endorse or, or help you make up your mind. I'm, I'm having a hard time. I, I get your concern and, and why so many of you are undecided. Um, and if, if, I mean, like I'm, I'm for Lieutenant Governor David Schaefer, just I'm, I've known him forever. I'm happy to support him. Um, it doesn't mean anything about Jeff Duncan, who apparently is a great guy and, and people really love him. And I get the sense there's more of a, an actual support for him than maybe David has. Some people just, he's been there for them. They're going there for him, but they're okay with someone else. There's a, a strong level of, of just fidelity with, uh, Jeff Duncan and his supporters. And then for Secretary of State, I just I've known Buzz forever, almost as long, if not longer, than my wife. I'm he's a good guy; he'd be a great Secretary of State. But um, David Bell Isle, Josh McGoon, I'm I, I can't talk bad about them. They're good people. Um, they they would make a great candidate. I'm sorry, I can't help you make up your mind. 
On the governor's race, I'm just not. Um, if you listen long enough, you, you kind of get an idea. I, I do think that Cagle is more establishment than I would prefer. He'd be a fine governor. Uh, I think if Michael Williams were running as Michael Williams instead of a mini Donald Trump, uh, he would be a fantastic governor. Uh, I really, Clay Tippins is the one I was completely skeptical of, uh, particularly because he, he drew a very bright line around uh, support for RIFRA, said he wasn't, wouldn't support a Religious Freedom Restoration Act. And I thought, oh, Lord, here comes another Chamber of Commerce wannabe. And I think he does want to be the business candidate. He's got a lot of business support. But he's actually a very impressive candidate. I, I, I have very much enjoyed uh, getting to meet him and his wife and know him just a little bit, don't know him well. And I wish his last ad uh, that he's just now got up on the air is one he had run more because he's actually a very impressive, sharp guy. Uh, and, and then I've known Brian Kemp forever. Um, Brian Kemp, you know, honestly, I, I think at this point, um, if I if I'm voting in the primary, I'm probably uh, a Hunter Hill or a Brian Kemp guy, and that's no disrespect to the other candidates. I would be glad to vote for them as as governor, but I, I think I want someone a little more conservative than Casey, um, a little less crazy than what Michael Williams is running as, a little less pro chamber of commerce, more support for RIFRA than Clay Tippins offers. And that leaves me in Brian Kemp and, and Hunter Hill. And I think uh, conservatives are going for Hunter Hill. And I just really like Brian Kemp a lot. And I think he's done a very good job as secretary of state. I was a lawyer for enough years and saw the change between Kathy Cox, who I thought was a good secretary of state and Karen Handel, also a good secretary of state. And now to Brian Kemp, uh, I do tend to think that the, the primary will be much nastier if it is Brian Kemp and Casey Cagle. I, I do think it would be. Uh, I think Hunter Hill would force it to be more about ideas because there's less dirt on him to be dug up uh, than another statewide office holder like Brian. But um, I'm having a hard time on this one because I, I simply like all of the candidates and I just know that I probably want someone a little more conservative grassrootsy than, than Casey. No disrespect intended to him. Uh, I'll support him if he's the nominee. And he probably is going to be the nominee. Let's just be honest. Casey Kegel is probably going to be the nominee. Um, but I'd support any of them. Um, I just think, where my thinking is? Just trying to be honest with you. I know many of y'all are in the same boat. Um, Hunter and Brian are where I'm, I'm toying. And I wonder, the, the, the Georgia Kerry issue, the Second Amendment issue may hurt Hunter Hill with people who the Second Amendment's their big issue. I don't think it's a, an issue. I think he's totally committed to that issue. Uh, maybe Ted Cruz will persuade people. Um, that's kind of where I am, and I'm still undecided there. Um, but gosh, I mean, I like them all. I like Casey Cagle. We've had issues in the past, but uh, he has struck me on the campaign trail as thoroughly competent and would make a very good governor. So I, I don't mean disrespect to these people. I'm just trying to be candid with you where my thinking is and, and don't really want to make an endorsement in this race because they'd all be good. Okay, look, a buddy of mine texted me while we were in traffic saying, just make up your blank mind. So that I know who to vote for. I, I, I'm not going to tell you guys who to vote for. We we are very blessed uh, with great Republican candidates. Uh, Cagle, Tippins, Williams, Hill, Kemp, they would all make good governors. They're totally competent. They're not nearly the crazy nut jobs that the Democrats would have you believe they are. 
Um, the lieutenant governor candidates would be good. I just We got good people running, and we should be thankful for that. And I'm not going to tell you who to vote. I'm not going to endorse any of the gubernatorial candidates either. They'd all be good. So now, with that, make up your mind. We was thinking about this in, in the break uh, regarding who to support. I, I want to support a Republican. And, you know, Governor Deal has actually been a, a competent governor, uh, very level-headed. But I'm, I'm kind of excited that whoever we pick as governor will be a lifelong Republican. And I think that matters in terms of worldview. And, and honestly, I want someone who's more skeptical of the Chamber of Commerce because I, I think we've got this crony capitalism sinking into the Georgia GOP and its thinking on picking winners and losers, whether it's the, the, the deals to attract Amazon or whatnot. I, just, I think that the, the Chamber of Commerce is not the force for good in Georgia that a lot of people think it is. I think it's a corrupting influence on the GOP and its mentality and the things it pursues. And so I, I want a candidate who stands up to them. And I think we have a couple of them who are doing that. Now, that being said, I have done terrible clock management tonight. So I will see you guys tomorrow. Have a good night.